You are listening to 20 Sides to Every Story. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to 20 Sides to Every Story. We're back at it with Dolmenwood. I see that we've got somebody out there in the uh, audience who is aware of the situation that we're walking into today. You've been redeemed a re-roll from the chat. Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, thanks for coming to hang out with us here this morning. We're playing some old school essentials. This is a retro clone of the original basic expert rules set. I'm joined here by Winston playing Wayman the Illusionist, Isaac playing Friar Pritz Fitzpatrick the Friar, Maureen playing Lilibeth the Hunter, Ryan playing Sir Joffrey the Knight, and Chris playing Thomas the Minstrel. Basically, we are picking back up. It is still the 27th day of Igwild. It is evening. The uh, characters here earlier in the day had uh, woken up and kind of went on something of a murder mystery uh, about town here in the village of Dreg, which is the little fishing village that you have stopped off at. Get a breather, uh, get a little rest from the, the wilderness, from your travels. And the uh, proprietor of the general store had uh, gone missing. His You had been kind of hanging out with him, drinking with him the night before he had gone missing, and, and you uh, elected to be the ones to kind of go on the investigation to see what happened to him. Your investigation led you to this building that is used as a smokehouse on the northern side of the village, where you uh, discovered what happened to him. He had been apparently uh, killed on his way home the night before, after uh, hanging out drinking with you. He was attacked by this pretty gnarly creature um, that was almost almost exuded kind of smoke and uh, the filth of the smokehouse. A creature, long, tall creature with a unicorn head that was just oozing pus and bleeding. Um, this creature had managed to gore and attack both Waymond and Sir Silas, who is sort of the sponsor of your trip. And the two of those characters have now been afflicted with a poison that is it hasn't out, outwardly killed them yet but they're both feeling the effects and starting to grow weak from it i guess where we're going to start here uh since that had happened you had kind of shared what you discovered at the smokehouse with the constabulary you had uh so you had returned to oren's wife and shared the the you know awful news with her and i think you probably spent just a little bit of time what you could spare to bring his body to the church and you know at least at least do the the physical tasks that you needed to to like deliver the body there and and kind of allow them to take care of their own arrangements so i'm going to say that a number of hours had passed and we're kind of in like early evening and you all had decided you needed to find something you, you an antidote, you're kind of like rapidly like trying to think through options, and you had ultimately decided that you might turn your attention to the chateau on the isle in the river and meet with Madame uh, Shantywood. Your understanding is that she is something of a important figure here in the town, maybe even more powerful than, or seen more as like a le legitimate source of power than the Burkmaster, even though she's not officially the person that's uh, that has that role. And so you're standing at the docks, probably right near the slanted church uh, that almost looks like it might just fall into the river here at some point. There are these little uh, ferries, essentially, that run back and forth uh, between the chateau, and those ferries bring sailors back and forth in the evening hours to the chateau. It's just a, a silver piece to ride the ferry out to the isle. 
silver piece per person. Per person, yep. You take these uh, ferries out to... There's a small dock that is located on the cove, um, on the southern end of that aisle. And there's uh, two armored guards. They're not wearing the tabard of the constabulary or anything like that. Um, You get the sense that they're probably like the hired security for the... For the madame. And uh, they tie off your boat, and they uh, kind of help you get out and, and safely onto the dock. And then you've got, basically, you're looking up at, there's a switchback of stairs that kind of goes all the way up, maybe, I don't know, we'll say maybe it's like 100 feet. There's kind of a, a cliff side there uh, that leads up to, uh, basically, the grounds that surround the chateau. And then this is a, you know, this is a very large estate uh, manor house. And so it's well lit. You can hear the sounds of uh, conversation and, you know, there's kind of merriment maybe happening inside. All around, you can see there are banners that are set up uh, and they bear the coat of arms, a a coat of arms that uh, depicts seven golden coins encircling a black rose. And do we recognize that heraldry or? You haven't seen that yet. No. It seems likely that it is, based on what you've been told about this place, that it kind of almost acts like a micronation. It almost looks like kind of like their their flag. I throw up a little bit. <coughs> Excuse me. I, um, I, I guess I'm just a bit seasick. Sir Silas is sort of dragging a little bit, too. And he's just... He looks real pale, uh, as do you, Wayman. All color is kind of gone from your from your flesh, and uh, kind of starting to sweat. Maybe feeling an accelerated heart rate. He's he's feeling the same thing, and he's just kind of looking over to you, and he says, "This is a desperate gambit, but I, I really hope I hope that she has something that that might help us. What what are we going to say when we when we get in there?" You seem to be the kind of person who would <clears throat> provide services for coin that's that seems reasonable um he's just kind of like looking up at the banner it seems that maybe if she does have any motivation that might be the thing um i think there may be some miscommunication if we go that route um she might think we're after something a little bit i think there's other services that she may think we're after so i think beyond that conversation maybe we ask her um you know she seems to be quite connected knowledgeable about this place we were injured by some sort of beast maybe she has knowledge of healers that could help us and, and like you say uh, Lilybeth, we do have coin maybe we could be buy come to her to buy information hopefully she's just happy that maybe we saved her a bit of a patron and won't ask for anything well i would say that in all likelihood the the food that was served here was also the food from the smokehouse in town. Unbeknownst to her, I think we've done a solid for the town and everyone around. Yeah, so you're all coming into this, like, not looking like the typical, you know, clientele of this place. It's usually kind of the the raucous sailors or maybe the woodcutters from uh, just up the river. And then you're all kind of limping in and <laughs> looking all sick and... <laughs> and uh this like the chateau is like is this huge mansion right like it's it's sprawling it's got there are turrets at the uh kind of corners of the house that lead up multiple floors um it just his kind of like the party mansion kind of feel um as you enter through its doors you you walk into this huge entrance hall that is just lavishly decorated and uh, furnished. 
fairly classy, I would say. It doesn't, even though it's kind of riffraff that probably frequents this place, um, it is very well maintained, very nice, very clean. And there is, uh, you can see, I think, from the hall, uh, there's some like large archways that lead into like a really large hall that extends off of the main hall where you can see gambling tables and big crystal chandelier people playing cards dice games roulette uh, you name it there's a number of people in there a staircase that leads up to higher floors where uh, you imagine probably some of the the private rooms and such for uh, the uh, prostitutes that work here likely stay um, you're greeted by a woman in a long black gown looks younger ish you're probably going to guess that this is not Madam Sh- uh, Shantywood. Y- your assumption, pa- probably based on the things that you've heard about her, is she's older, maybe in her like late fifties, early sixties, that like she's been around a while. This person uh, welcomes you to the chateau, and she would ask you what your what your pleasure would be. I I give her a bow and say, "Ma'am, my name is Thomas. Oddly enough, we come here beseeching the Lady of the Manor for assistance and aid." She gestures towards the gambling hall. And she says, Madam Shantywood is uh, just beyond. Feel free uh, to go and take in a game yourself and strike up a conversation. If you need any of our other services, you know where to find me. Thank you. And so you're free to go. um, You make your way towards this big, opulent, kind of noisy gambling hall where there's servers that are carrying around little uh, trays with fluted glasses and beverages uh, that seem to be free for the taking. You see that, we'll say she's standing at a roulette table. Um, A woman with cascading kind of black hair, eyes of striking green. She's dressed in a sort of antiquated black lace dress, uh, very very modest, and tightly strung corset. She has a very powdered face uh she's looking into a hand mirror kind of maybe like kind of checking to make sure that she's all fixed up and everything and she puts it away uh, just seems to be kind of idly uh watching the roulette game in progress i'll try and get her to come over if everybody wants to grab a seat i'll i will bring her attempt to bring her this way i'll move in her direction and approach she sees you approaching and she smiles kind of a, a very just kind of like customer service kind of smile <laughs> sure <laughs> um and she just says oh welcome to chateau shantywood i am madame shantywood i trust that everything here is to your liking we cater to a number of tastes and desires i'm sure that we have something that you're looking for uh, I give her a bow and I say, uh, Lady Shantywood, we come from the town proper beseeching your assistance, whether personal or knowledge. My companions, and I point over to the table, said, uh, there's a couple of them that are quite sick. We had run across a bit of trouble. There was a creature in the smokehouse and we engaged with it. And two of my companions were gravely wounded, and we do not know what afflicts them. And we've, we have heard of you and perhaps um, knowledge or contacts or something. That, I know that this is an odd request, but uh, if you could come meet with my companions, it would, it would be most welcome. Of course. I, I would be happy to take a look. I, we get all manner of odd requests here at Chateau Shantywood, so I... I Trust me when I say that this is very far down on that list. And uh, she walks over with you to kind of take stock of the group. 
And she says, you say that this happened in the village earlier, some kind yes. of a beast that you found in the smokehouse. Yes, a, a tall beast with a, was it like a goat head or a unicorn head? And um, my companion, Sir Silas and Wayman were struck by this horn. And we've, we, we've heard that it was some creature that was, I guess, a creature of the Nag Lord. She, um... She kind of goes right over to Sir Silas and stares him in the eye and then looks down at the wound. Um, I think at this point, you know, his armor, I think I described like the chain armor had kind of failed a bit. And she just looks down at that and she says, may I? And she takes, he, he nods and she takes kind of a closer look. At this point, you can all see it's all full of pus and black lines kind of stretching out from the wound. Um, it looks, you know, infected. Like very, very, very bad, and he kind of winces as she kind of even like touches it a bit. And she says, yeah, mm, "It may be that I have something that might help." And then she goes over to you, Waymond, and she does kind of the same thing. She inspects the wound, and yours is like looking maybe worse to the point where like the the, the veins kind of darken like all the way up your chest. Like it's it's really quite painful. And so as she's checking it out, do you too like feel that sting of you know everywhere just hurts and is raw. She she's just takes a moment. She's very silent as she's doing this and she says, "I have I have something that may staunch this infection, but I believe I only have enough for one of you." Um, so Silas is our, our leader, so mm-hmm. I'm sure I can carry on. I I've, I've been through worse. Your leader, you say? Absolutely. He brought us all together on our our quest. Uh, hmm. And what might that be? I'm very sick, so I'm probably just like almost like just like under like a like yeah. just like so, telling anything. So, so, so <laughs> your shoulder, and he just says, <laughs> um, he he says that we are on route. We have been summoned by the Duke of Brackenwold for for a matter. We are we are lending assistance from the Lumoran empire and she seems to accept that she says hmm curious six lumorans here in our little rustic quaint little corner of the world hmm this is a difficult decision which one of you which one of you might i elect to save you say he's your leader judging from his sword he looks to be knighted and he nods he says yes and then she looks at you wayman and she says tell me what um what value do you have for me I have some coin. I'll fish in my pocket and I'll pull out my little quartz. Be like, this has been a trusted companion for some time. I hesitate to offer it, but the coin doesn't suffice. This gem is something that I can use to reflect light into an energy. I could show you what it's like. She just kind of laughs. She's like, oh. And uh, she's, she's amused. And she says, you both make very strong cases for your ongoing survival. But I think I'm just going to need a little bit more time before I decide. Perhaps, perhaps each of you would give me a little bit of your your time here this evening that we might talk in private. Well, I'm happy to speak with you, but I've, I've already made my case that I think Silas... So Silas is the deserving one. I, I hate to staunch me and then I not make it through the night. Well, very well. A little bit of black blood. Then maybe five minutes of his time and I will make my decision on whether I will give this to you or not. And Sir Silas just kind of looks to the rest of the group and kind of shrugs. It seems 
fair. He, um, she kind of gestures for him to follow her, and he does so. You know, he he seems kind of tepid about it, like a little awkward about it. But you know, given maybe the implication of you know going off in private uh, with her, but he just kind of looks back at all of you as he they walk out out the the room. It looks like they leave the the gambling hall. They go out to the main hall, and you watch them as they go up the stairs. Meanwhile, you are in this gambling hall. There are cards and roulette tables and and such. A lot of kind of rough looking characters about. Many of them just kind of fit the bill of folk that either probably ferry ships up and down the Hammoth or, yes, probably some of them are woodcutters from the camp up up the river. Alex, can are there any games open to play? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling I'm feeling like I need to test the hand of God. Yeah. What do you think? What what kind of a game would you want to play? I think something dice related, maybe the roulette table. Okay. We'll say that uh, the minimum bet is one gold. Well, we'll say the minimum bet is like five silver. And uh, basically you could do you could do odds evens and double your bet, or you could let's do this. If you roll if you like you want to like place a bet on a number, you would roll two D six. And if you get a seven or a twelve, we'll say it's a payout of I don't know. We'll say five times what you put in. That's a, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take uh, the other five silver I had left over from the ferry and just say, I'm going to put it on black black 17. Okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead and roll 2d6. If it's a 7 or a 12, you'll win. Come on. Big money, big money. It's a 7. <laughs> Is nice. it really? Nice. Okay. So then you take uh, 20. Uh, you'll gain 25 silver Impressive. pieces. That's um that bodes well for Wayland. Exactly. Is there anybody in the gambling hall or that is gambling that maybe doesn't fit the bill of river logging person or woodcutter? Anybody that may you know oh. stand out as as you know I'm, I'm, being different? I'm gonna say there's a chance. Well, here. Why don't you roll me roll me a d6 and let me know if you get a five or a six. Okay. I'll say that there's somebody here. Yeah, I was wanting I was wanting to scan for like wealthier looking. There's a two. Okay. Um I'm gonna say then it, it kind of looks like the run of the mill, like kind of the people that you'd expect. I'm gonna keep my eyes open to see if I see any big fish or different people of different ilk. How about uh others among you? Things that you'd be doing during this little interim time here while you wait? Uh Friar would be kind of looking over and just being like, well, should have, I should have gone on in on that one. Like he's pretty much just like judging like all the bad gambling moves. He he he's trying his best not to sit down at the table. So he he's but he's definitely like still there. Like, oh well, oh that's what you get. Uh, you had a good hand. Like <laughs> he's participating he, he, as much as he can without he can. actually sitting uh-huh. himself. Right. Awesome. Okay, and uh, Thomas? Well, knowing that Waymond and the Friar, I believe, uh, was it Waymond and the Friar that are both carrying the money? Or was it Sir Joffrey? I think Joffrey. Joffrey. Yeah, I have have the money. I will be a little bit back, and actually, uh, with the minstrel being a roguish type, uh, I want to keep an eye on Sir Joffrey and Waymond to make sure they're not getting marked by a pickpocket or anything like that and just kind of be having small talk with maybe some of the people around me. I would say you're, you're noticing, and I think it's probably somewhat prominent that 
there's a number of kind of security people that are very like prominently positioned around the room. And so you get the sense that probably that keeps away a lot of that type of behavior as you don't, you don't notice anything unsavory kind of happening in regards to any thievery. You get the sense that there's probably a lot of security here. If something went down, it would be um, bad news for the person that caused the ruckus. Yeah. And like I said, just a, just a little bit of small talk, you know, in an establishment like this, inquiring about any, any news from town, I suppose. I mean, you know, to, to keep with the clientele or there, are there any of the ladies that have made a name for themselves? So to speak, you're inquiring a bit more. Would you say about drag itself? Yes. Okay. Why don't you roll me? Roll me a d twenty. Uh, I got a four. Okay. You're at a table and you start kind of bringing up maybe some of the the ladies of the chateau. You're bringing up drag itself. Is there anybody that's made a name for themselves or sticks out? And someone there says, well, folk in drag are, you know, it isn't, it isn't within drag, but um, just up the river here, there's a couple of incestuous wizards that live at an old mill. Very strange people. They live in sin. They live entertaining strange guests from fairies. Definitely stay away from, from those people. No good can come of it. Guests who are fairy? Yes, strange creatures that walk between the realm of fairy and our own. Interesting. How long have they been doing this? Oh, it's hard to say um, how long they've they've truly... I've never known anybody to ever actually take ownership of that mill. From what I understand, you know, he'll tell you, like, stories of growing up, that it was always, like, kind of abandoned, and there's always, like, ghost stories about it. But now it sits right on the river, and so it's one of those things where uh, the sailors could probably make up stories about it. Uh, but they they claim that they've actually seen these, these people, these for this brother and sister time uh passes you know and you're engaged in all of these things at some point madame shantywood returns alone she's carrying with her a little vial it's almost like a golden okra colored liquid in it and she brings it over to you waymond and she says okay. my decision is made this is to be yours i don't understand and i told you i i don't want this i want silas to take it i so silas is safe but he will be staying here with me i'm just looking kind of like i'm almost in like like you haven't slept for like 36 hours kind of vibe and i'm just looking around everybody else like i don't know what's going on like confused drink up we'll have plenty of time to talk about what comes next drink it waymond okay. bunk What's it taste like? It, it has a kind of a bitter, almost like medicine taste to it. You can feel it kind of coursing through your bloodstream. And like, rather than feeling that pain, you just start to get kind of that woozy mm. sensation, like medicine's kind of clouding your brain. This is the roll. All, all right. All this Whoa. does is it allows you to do the saving throw again. It doesn't necessarily cure you. That's good. So save versus poison. So it's a d20, right? Yep. And you want to roll above your number there. This makes no sense, but I always like to look at the number as if it's like I can send good vibes into the universe. So let me just look real quick. Yep. So my save versus poison is 13. Okay. Nope, that's wrong. Nope, Easy. that's wrong. No. It, yeah, it is 13. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes. I was just saying that. Did you make it? In the future. Yeah, 19. Okay. So oh you, you feel it taking effect. and. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and I got, and as I'm drinking, I'm like, I guess we'll see if there really is a one true God. And then I feel it take a hold of me and I will pass out. Just kind of like sit down and just like go uh, zone out for a little bit. Madame Shantywood proposes that you relocate to a more comfortable, maybe more private 
quarters. She says, we have much to discuss here yet tonight. Yeah, sounds that way. She will signal to a couple of her um, guards to maybe carry Waymond, who's had, uh, yeah, is is maybe ex- uh, kind of exhausted and expired at this point uh, from the, the day's events. And they'll, you know, kind of drag you to sort of a parlor. We'll say up the stairs, there's like a parlor that has a f- nice fireplace. So yeah, it kind of feels maybe a little bit like being back at the wizard's tower. You all get kind of situated or seated around this large coffee table. There's some little appetizers and food that's laid out and different beverages uh, for, of your choosing. Really, any of the attendants will, will get you what you want she she takes a glass of wine and she makes herself very comfortable and i will take a glass as well we'll say it's the same one that you had the earlier the night before that kind of fancy one i don't recall what that was called off the top of my head but she starts and she kind of swirling her wine just kind of palming the glass and she says lumorans lumorans formerly incarcerated. Uh, what else mm-hmm. did my man at the tavern say? And she's just kind of like listing off all of the stuff that you had just kind of blabbed uh, in the tavern. <laughs> Our good buddy. Who we... The guy yes. that was, yeah, the, it seems like the tavern guy there must be uh, on her payroll. and his... He was just like, oh, do tell. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she says, so what is the real story? Why are you here in Dolmenwood? Did she mention Marjorie Griver or did we mention, does she know anything about that? I'm just saying, Alex, I don't remember, did we mention that to the bartender? That's what I'm trying to figure out. If she mentioned it back to us when she says, oh, I know this about you and that and this and this. And even somebody said it sounded like his sister. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we pretty much spilled the beans. So we'll assume that she that 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 she knows. So, so yeah, I'll just with Silas being gone, I'll kind of try to step into his sort of role of speaking. You know, of your own and uh, uh, well, it, this is all true. We are not liars. We are many things, Miss, but we are not liars. We we are we tell the truth. We are on a mission for our freedom, searching for the uh, fugitive. Marjorie Griver. Very interesting that the Lumorans would choose to use convicts to go and find her. Pray tell, what uh, do you think that their plan was for you after you have found her? Well, they were going to set us free, right? Right, guys? They were going to set us free? Well, we're already free, but I think they were going to ex- expunge our records and... You all are so trusting. What do you know of this Sir Silas that is with you? What do you know of each other? We know that Silas kept us going when we were incarcerated. Each one of us had a friendship with him. What what are you getting at, ma'am? The Lumorans want this kept secret. Seems to me that they took some of the most expendable people that they had at their disposal to fix this problem for them for a very good reason. Whoever this Marjoram Griver is and whatever she knows or has stolen must be very important. And that is interesting to me. I have given you a second lease on life. I have your friend, and he is going to be my insurance policy that you are going to, you will find this Marjoram Griver. And when you do, I would like to be in on it. Want to join us? I want to know what she knows. I want to know what she has stolen. Information is my true profession. It is my true commodity. If Ah. you do this for me, learn her secrets and bring them to me, I will release your friend. Yes, so oh, we're so, clear. So this is a shakedown, 
is what you're saying. Label it how you like. So just to be clear, you're not interested in being present, which means that you're really not caring whether we bring Marjoram Cryer back. You just need what she knew. If you could bring her, it seems that the Lumorans would like you to have her dead. I think it'd be more interesting if she comes back alive. I would like to meet her and talk with her myself. Well, you can't guarantee that. Mm. We can bring her back alive. So that's why I asked. I don't want to enter into a bargain that we can't meet. Well, if you're not able to do this, then I'm not sure what use I have for you. So if we can do everything except for bring her back alive, there's no deal. You are treating this as if it is a negotiation. Isn't it? I don't think so. I think it's more of a shakedown. Uh, tell me, is Sir, Sir Silas, is he okay? Have you cured him? He is alive, and I will keep him alive, as long as I believe that we are friends. Well, I think we're definitely friends, and we're no friends of Marjoram. Actually, I'm going to, in character, not know. It's, it's Marjoram. A Mar- Marjoram. 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 I, think I wrote down Marjorie, sorry. No, it's okay. I, I literally did not remember. Um, we're no friends of hers. In fact, if anything... I'm interested in what she carries for personal reasons. I have never intended to go back. So I have no problem with this deal. I owe nothing to the authorities. I just want to be free. So I promise to you that if you keep Sir Silence alive, I will share everything I learn about her and bring her back if I can. And I hold no loyalty to the empire that incarcerated me. So I like your style, my lady. And she smiles and she raises her glass. Well, just so long as the terms are clear, like I said, I don't want to enter into an unwinnable alliance. You do this for me, you may find that in the long term, I am a very powerful ally here, the Dolmenwood. Ma'am, questions as far. Uh, Obviously, we are going to do this. Uh, We have little choice, but maybe a little bit more information might help. As uh, as we go into the, the woods and search for this person, we might encounter another beast. Uh, it would be, I feel it's more than fair to ask what what exactly you gave our friend here to help him. She um, tells you that it is a, a concoction that is derived from a plant that is native to Dreg. Um, she tells you that that plant is young lantern elm roots. That is used to distill and create this brew, which is called Ofterich. Plant itself is not the antidote. It's It has to be synthesized into this potion. That's the active ingredient. That's the right. ingredient, yeah, and she... Um, Very well. I will um, keep that in mind if I see any of that uh, in our travels. Any other... We are, we are not from here. Uh, any other tips or anything that might you might know? I mean, have you heard of this beast? This creature... With a unicorn for a head. I... It is surely not undead. No. I'm afraid of that I can only offer speculation. Brother Hogbeard, very loud and believing that this is evidence of the Nag Lord. Hard to say. The woods are full of all manner of strange beasts and creatures. Who's to say if it's the Nag Lord or something from fairy or just another abomination that has dwelled in the wood far longer than any of us. Have you heard of the wizards, the brother and sister wizards north of here in the old mill? And what can you tell me about that? Her eyes kind of twinkle a little bit when you bring them up. And she says, well, 
brother and sister, huh? That's that was the word I heard. Sure, sure. What of I can I tell no you stop. about them is that they are not what meets the eye, and they are. I would like to be better acquainted. They are working on something very interesting to me. Perhaps on your way where you are going, tracking down Marjoram Griver, maybe you would stop there. Mention me. They may have work for you. She kind of looks over to Waymond, who is sort of passed out at this point, and she <laughs> says, this one has an interest in crystals. I think they would get along fabulously. One of the other things I heard was they uh, they walk between the world here and the fey world. Can you confirm that? They have some acquaintances in the world of fairy, but I don't know that they have yet crossed over and found a way into their world. But yes, they are known to throw fabulous parties, I must say. They have many, many friends, many unnatural friends. Well, I would have no problem in delivering a uh, missive to them if you care to write one up. I think that is a fabulous idea. Well, you are free to enjoy these little comforts I can give you. I can put you up for the night here. And, um, you say you are powerful. Uh, uh, any allies out there that we might lean on? We're in maybe desperate times. You're planning to go to the woodcutter's camp? Yes. She tells you the woodcutters, they, they've lost their way. Um, they are very much growing fat and lazy as time goes on abandoning their traditions but there are a few there that you might seek out and she tells you the name i would say she tells you this in the sense that this is just information this isn't somebody that she personally has a connection mm -hmm. to but she knows about she tells you that she believes that you would probably get on famously with hagbard sunderman who is one of the elder woodcutters there an older man has seen a lot of things in his time. He might be kind of a no-nonsense person there to touch base with. Uh, she also tell you that if you're looking for a man of the cloth like yourself, uh, you might reach out to Father Horsley, a devout follower of St. Fogarty. All this information that you've collected, well, is it for you, or do you work for someone else? I work for myself. I work for my family. Of these points, we can talk further once you have proven you can get this done. Her demeanor kind of changes a bit. Mm -hmm. Like she gets like the whole kind of nice, pleasant facade. She gets like, you could feel a chill in the air when she starts to talk about that. And there's almost like a, a vengeful, mm -hmm. like she's driven by something very personal. That's fair. She, he'll step back. He won't push it any further. My companion asked about allies that you have, I guess. Would there be any enemies that we should know about if we're going to be working at your behest? Where you're heading, I don't have any enemies or insight. You'll come to know that the lord of the woodcutter's camp in their, their domain is that of Jolly Oistis Pollard who, from what I understand, has uh, become addicted to some kind of a drug. I don't know how useful he would really be to you at this time. Should you turn your sights to the west, to the lands of the goat folk, of that I have much to say, but perhaps that is for another day. I think Joffrey might try to push her a little bit to get some information on that that um, house that we traveled by that had like the curse put on it that we're carrying the, the oh. curse on thing on. 
just because of there was kind of some hints dropped that possibly he could you know get a, a dark steel sword there so i guess he's kind of wants to press her a little bit to find out if she knows anything about that house what's befallen them she would tell you that something very sinister has come over that house and when i say house the family also the house <laughs> the, 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 the the physical structure and the family so bogwit manor she tells you that from what she understands the mulbrick family house mulbrick is ruled by lady mulbrick and her eight sons lionel arthur treve joan maimond Dobnuri and Edwin and Francis, all of them have become shut-ins and recluses. There is evidence that their house itself has is starting to rot and has been overcome by some kind of a, a fungus that is not being taken care of or maintained. They still entertain guests and such, and they sort of treat everything that is going on around them as normal and like don't even acknowledge it. She advises that you stay away from that place uh, that there's no good that can come from they they are lost people things are governing themselves just fine while they've turned inward you know she's kind of picking up the you get the sense that maybe she's okay with them being out of the picture because she has even more influence kind of in the region as a result uh but but she does share with you their their problems you the reason you brought this up was about the sword and she tells you that there is a very famous blacksmith in Lankshorn to the west that you may consider visiting at some point. And that's in the Goatlands? Or... Yeah, Lankshorn is it's a market town, and it is the domain of Lord Malbleet. Maybe, maybe superficially, I'll give you this about the goat folk, and you can delve into it deeper once you go out there. But she'll tell you that the whole region of the High Wold is the domain of Baron Hogwarsh, who is a human. And when he came into uh, his position, he's relatively young, kind of brash. He's one of those rulers, hereditary ruler, that isn't really so interested in being a ruler and doesn't isn't, isn't maybe very thoughtful about some of the decisions that he makes. And so basically among the goat folk nobility, the way that the Longhorns determine, you know, they've got kind of a hereditary structure themselves about who's the leader and such... There was a dispute between two of the goat lords at some point about who was truly the um, the noble, uh, right? Like they, they both are interpreting bloodlines differently, more or less, is what it came down to. And so the house of Lord Malbleet and the house of Lord Ramius were split. And so Baron Hogwarsh basically gave Lord Malbleet, uh, there's like a dividing, he just divided the realm in two and said, you know, Lord Malbleet, you take the lands to the east. Lord Ramius, you take the lands to the, the west. And that has been a problematic decision ever since, because he never took like a hard stance who is truly, truly the, the lord of the, the Longhorn nobility. Did she mention the name of the blacksmith in Lankshorn? The bladesmith's name is Jeremy Whipston hyphen Puddingfoot. Of the famous Whipston Puddingfoots. Yes. Yes. Is he a Grimmelkin? <laughs> uh, he's not a Grimmelkin, but I'm looking to see if he's... I think he's human. I always got to check out there, because it's like kind of a 50-50 chance. Are they human, or are they a goat folk? <laughs> uh, yeah. Human was such a great last name. No wonder he's famous. <laughs> I mean, I'd be famous just for the last name. Think of the marketing. I wonder if Thanks he was... Lord 
was was he originally a pudding foot or and he married into the Whipstons or was he a Whipston and he married into the pudding foots? Tradition of naming would be different maybe from region to region and it would be hard to tell. <laughs> you know, there's there's enough here in the little two two to three sentences that they have on them that there's probably somewhere you could go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey's not Jeffrey's a little bit upset that, you know, we let our friend walk off with her and she has absconded with him and now we're like she she totally manipulated this situation one thousand percent. We could uh, if you want, we could fast forward to a to the point where you're all alone and like she's not with you anymore, so you guys can talk kind of openly in your rooms. Before that, number one, I would I would request that Sir Joffrey be able to see Sir Silas. She kind of made fun of us that we were trusting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That we it would be it would be a very good idea to not trust that Sir Silas is all right at this point. Um, and and we don't all have to go see him, but that Sir Joffrey could at least confirm that he was still okay. I would also request that in honor of a new advantageous working relationship on both sides that she extend a line of credit, so to speak, for the evening. She smiles and she says, you're learning. She reaches into a little um, kind of hand purse that she has and she pulls out that mirror and she flips it around and inside the mirror you see like kind of this shadowy manse and Sir Silas is there kind of with his arms folded, his head down. He's just like, God damn it. And uh, he uh, he looks up. Yeah, I guess you can't hear him, but he he you could just see like he's just totally ashamed that he fell into this trap. He he was thinking he was thinking he was going to be propositioned in maybe a different way, and then <laughs> then this happened. I think that's what I was thinking too. So she she lets you see his condition. Um, I, I would say you you could see that the wound is gone, like. She must have given him something to like keep him alive, but in doing so, ensnared him in her presumably magical hand mirror that she has. Um, and then she tucks yeah. it away. I was gonna say she doesn't seem like the type of individual that would have only one potion, <laughs> you know, yeah, right on hand. And as Very far well. as the line of credit, let's see, I'm gonna roll for that. Yeah, I can I can put on my minstrel charm here too. So. She'll say she'll leave you with a hundred gold that she will forward to you to cover any um, additional expenses that you might have along the way. And she'll insinuate, you know, beyond just saving Sir Silas. If you, she won't put a number on it, I don't think, because she really doesn't need to. But she'll insinuate that there, there's more where that came from. Like, if you have a good working relationship with her, she can make you very wealthy. With that, is there anything else that we need to resolve before uh, nighttime happens here? No. Otherwise, I think uneventful rest. Uh, you're all put up in your own private rooms, and you get you get a rest. If you're down hit points, you get you gain a hit point, and we will pick and, it back up on the 28th of Igwild. And I would, I mean, if we're heading out again in, in the morning, I mean, not to be too crass, but I would probably take part in the services that are offered here. This evening, so. Yeah, and um, five silver pieces is what it is. Wayman, uh, did you did you take the hundred gold pieces, or should I put it in my bag? I oh, 
Yeah, I did not take the 100 gold pieces, so put it in your bag. I'll I'll add it to my bag here. Um, Basically, where we are at, uh, the group has just taken a rest. We've advanced from the 27th day of Igwild to the 28th. Weather is about the same. It's still just a a kind of mild, very bright, sunny day um, here at the end of spring. I don't know if you have any more business necessarily at the Chateau that you want to take care of, but... um, my sense is that your next stop was you're going to head to the woodcutters camp up a little bit further along the river. At least that was the last pitch that I had heard. Yes. Wood, woodcutters and also taking a message to the wizards or whatever it is they were. Oh, yes, that's right. Okay. So, so she will give you like a letter in the morning that she would like you to uh, deliver. That probably makes the next question a little easier then because um, it would have been a question of are you going to – you could – contract to take a boat up to the woodcutters that would be like five silver a piece a person and it'd take you an hour and a half to get there or so or you could go on foot and if, if you're going to deliver the letter probably you have to go on foot is the woodcutters the woodcutters is north but it's not as north as this other thing correct uh it's actually further north the wood, um, the woodcutters we the woodcutters camp but it's uh it's still easy enough you know you could still Joffrey, what are you wearing for armor? Uh, Chainmail? Yep. Okay. Uh, Even by foot, um, you could still get to the woodcutter's camp if you stop there. The mill is probably just a couple miles up the river. You're you're led to believe that the woodcutter's camp is maybe six miles or so away. You know, it's it's not clear near the river. Like, you still are kind of hacking. You're you're slowed down because of the, uh, the terrain, but you could still get there by evening. Well, don't... Our incestuous hair have something to do with crystals, too? They do. Uh, I believe that was sort of vaguely hinted at. So I hate to say this, but um, as an illusionist, I think I have maybe some extra insight into what's going on with this marjoram character. And uh, if we're someone who's going to get along with me, as was said, I imagine it's someone who would also get along with marjoram. Uh, and so personally, I'm of the opinion that we go to the wizards. But I think it also would be good for us to show well for the lady, deliver something for her immediately to ensure this relationship continues. But that's just my two cents. I'm on my, my third life at this point, so borrow time. Maybe you are just uh, a Grimmelkin and you got nine lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, and... um. It would seem that the like the head of the woodcutters or whatever who's sm- you know smoking this crystal or smoking this rock maybe the uh, maybe he gets it from these wizards and we can tantalize him by bringing him some of this stuff. Uh, if we've learned anything from our travels in the Dolmenwood is that leverage seems to be the currency. So I am beginning to see that perhaps our good friend is right in that. Maybe a little leverage before heading to the woodcutters would befit us. Friar, you've thing? been quiet. How are you feeling, by the way? You had a little bit to drink last night. You were up late. <laughs> yeah, well, once I knew you were okay, I figured might as well. I'm a bit worried just about these wizards that are fraternizing with these this, these fey creatures. Uh, we all know that... They are not to be trusted, as oh. it is written. One of one of the uh, one of the like major commandments is not like fraternizing with Faye. Oh, so he would be a bit reserved. I uh, we let's not fall in line and let 
them cloud our judgment. I think well, we've learned that we shouldn't fall in line with anyone out here, for we are the only ones, it seems, that have our best interests at heart. That is well said, brother. If I were to be, too, be quite honest, Friar, I was not a man of belief, but I'm starting to become one. Hmm. That's good After for you. All. So I think I'm going to defer to you. Let's be careful about this, Faye. Maybe you're dusty old book has got something to it. Well, you know, Waymond, uh, how you speak, you will soon be tithing 10% to the friar. <laughs> oh, don't get so ahead of yourself, Patches. <laughs> well, as long as he's tithing to the friar, we'll still stay within the group. That's uh, true. You'll be holding That's it true. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tithe it and put it back in my pocket. <laughs> oh. I'm a man of, uh, I believe what I see, and so far, um, I've had a few for very fortunate turnings, so maybe a couple more, and maybe the tithing will happen. We'll see. Ah, one true god work does not work in mysterious ways. I mean, obviously, you, it's right in front of you. I'm not trying to push you in any direction, please, but just be open-minded, and you have been. Very nice. I'll be open-minded about being closed-minded about the Fae, is what I'm hearing. Good! Zach, that was my next point, is, yeah, except for the Fae, they are not to be trusted. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very religious conversation we're having here. Well, if we're walking, are we walking through, okay, so the terrain that we're walking through is mostly road and forest. Yeah, no road, but you're trying to go to the mill, so you're probably just following the river bank. Given that we have just experienced one of our members almost dying from poison, Joffrey is going to kind of tap his brother, and he's going to say, hey, let's keep an eye out for some of those um, that po- the, the, the herbs that, that show if something's poisonous. As uh, mm. We certainly know that there's poisons of all kinds in these. And my abs. I'm always, I always have one eye open, brother. Don't worry about that. You can do some foraging while you're you know, walking, and it's a lower chance, but you know, mm-hmm. focus foraging, you have a very high... Um, I think that's what Joffrey was kind of hinting to his brother to do. Okay. We'll resolve a foraging role, I think, right before you get to the woodcutter's camp. We'll see what you have managed to get. So the plan is to set out on foot and follow the river, river north, hoping to stop off at the mill once it comes into sight. So you start um, kind of making your way through the dense forest. No chance of getting lost since you're following the river. Probably about, as you set out, maybe late afternoon up ahead, you'll see that you come upon sort of this very rustic two-story building. It's a timber-framed water mill. And its wheel, you know, is slowly uh, moving with the current of the River Hammoth. It, it seems like it's maintained, but, you know, it's just a little homely looking. There is, like, kind of evidence of, like, kind of maybe the the shutters on the building kind of have been painted with sort of a flowery detail, moss-covered roof. And the sun's kind of shining brightly in this little clearing where this uh, structure is. Little dirt, little trail that leads right up to the front door. Doesn't seem to be anybody about or around. There's maybe some clotheslines maybe uh, situated between trees, and you can see some towels and blankets and clothing laid out. 
as it as if it had been freshly washed, hung out to dry in the sun. The windows of the structure are kind of glazed over. Looks like intentionally, uh, maybe to prevent sunlight from coming in. So it doesn't look like there's a, a way to kind of look into the building. We knock? You go up to the door and give a rap on the wooden door. And it's kind of a circular wooden door. It's got that kind of hobbit hole kind of feel um and you can hear some kind of rummaging around just a minute just a minute and the door opens and there's a dashing young man there uh long long dark brown hair dreamy green eyes there's like a streak of silver he's dressed in a tunic and as he opens the door you get kind of a view into the parlor behind him or the, the the space uh the living space behind him and there's like strings everywhere with like herbs and plants that are being hung to dry as well as like all sorts of like crystals that are hanging from like from wire like above the windows and just odd shaped little prismatic crystals of orange purple a variety of hues the the young man in front of you human opens the door and he says visitors welcome um have you found your way lost out here in the dolman wood could i Help to set you straight. Did we get a description of the wizards at any point? Uh, not pr- vague, just that there was a brother and a sister yep. that lived here. And I, I didn't catch their names. Did we catch? We got their names, right? I don't think Uh-oh. so. I think it's just generally like, you know, there's a... The, the wizards. Yeah. Oh, I guess so I guess you, you, you had talked to... I was thinking back to when Thomas was just getting the rumor, but she would have... What would but she have got the letter to The letter might be addressed to them, maybe. Yeah, we'll say that the letter is addressed to Mercian. Mercian. So I'll step forward and say, um, hello, my name is Waymond. Uh, I, uh, we, my party and I, we come bearing a missive from the lady of the isle. Uh, Shantywood, wasn't it? Madame Shantywood. Are you Mercian, by any chance? She asked for Mercian? Come, come. I know. I know. She was looking for me. I you are Mercian? <laughs> you can't believe that. He says, I... no, that's my sister. I am Veridan. Veridan. You can give it to me. I... I know. I know. She's really trying to talk to me. Um, have you had many conversations with Lady Shantywood? I have. And I know she fancies me. She may I know fancy she... you. Yeah. I can see why. But um, she's also pretty direct in what she asks people to do. May I have the letter? I would be worried that she might take our failure to deliver the letter to the proper person as a lapse. That's fair. Well, come on in. I think I don't want to be a poor host. Some tea, perhaps? That sounds sounds lovely. lovely. And uh, he kind of welcomes you into... It's sort of gloomy inside the house because of the darkening of the windows. Um, But he invites you to come in. There's... He lights maybe a lantern or something to kind of give a little bit more of a a rosy glow to the room um, as you step in. Quite a setup you have here. Very fascinating, the herbs and the crystals. Um, I can't help but ask, what what is this all about? Well, the herbs are for all manner of uh, medicines and uh, concoctions that you can make to heal maladies that you might encounter out there in the wild. There's Hmm. 
all sorts of uh, in, innate properties to the plants here in the Dolman Wood that, um, well, I'm just trying to document uh, me and my sister, uh, see what they all do. As for the crystals, they ward away the bad spirits. I look to Wayman to see if that's true. I'm also observing the crystals to see if they're crystals or gems or, you know. I would say they're more more like these kind of prismatic kind of shards. They're not really like a true gemstone that's like been mm-hmm. properly like refined, but um, they do have like a spark of a glow to them. So not enough mm-hmm. that it casts like, you know, light. It, more like, you know, kind of the, the, the faint glow of like a... Like a glow-in-the-dark sticker. That's what I was... Yeah, that, like that's what it is. They absorb light. Um, I'll just... I'll look at Thomas and just say, I'm more of a Gemologist, I suppose, but um, crystals and prisms. Uh, there are many, many components and many vectors for magical prowess, and protection is certainly one of one of the things you can bring about. But I'm unfamiliar with doing that through crystals. Well, we've certainly heard a lot of rumors about the power of crystals out here in the Dolman Wood, as even something about people smoking them. Have you heard any such things as this? Oh yes, I have. Although, from what I understand, it's not... There's a little bit more to it. They need to be the right stone, and it needs to be properly uh, processed. I, myself, have attempted this feat, but it doesn't seem that I've been able to quite get it right. From what I understand, the uh, the caretaker there of the woodcutter's encampment just to the north, he's grown accustomed to the taste of crystal, and he apparently knows a way of, of synthesizing it. He makes his own? Yes. Sources his crystals from cave uh, that lies further up along the banks of Fog Lake. Say, you said you're in the employ of Madame Shantywood. I may be able to, um, I have need. I have need of more crystals. My understanding is that it is a rich supply of, and he kind of just gestures around all the crystals you see hanging about. I need more. I'd be willing to pay you if you could uh, recover some. Are you insinuating that, uh, where where should we recover them? It's not much of a mystery where this place is. Sort of a tourist spot for folk from Brackenwald to go and step into the caves and take a look around. Although I do hear that there are some unsavory residents that have moved into into the, the caverns there. Rumors of troglodytes and kobolds and such, but... Uh, Goblins? Mm, that I have not heard. It certainly could be. I only ask because we have met some goblins on our way. Oh, how do you feel about goblins? They're, they're very interesting, actually. They seem to be all noise and thunder without very much bite. Uh, I care little for them myself well you should treat goblins with care earn their trust they might teach you they might trade with you and he'll explain that he he'll say he hasn't this isn't firsthand knowledge of his but he'll say that um there are some goblins in the dolman wood who maintain markets in the land of fairy and if you can earn their trust they may lead you to these markets where you can buy all sorts of wondrous things trade trade things that come and originate from the land of fairy well then i'm very glad we left them alive well some of them if you ever happen upon any any goblin merchants i i would implore you to come back and tell me the tale i'd like to hear more about that anyway you're really here to see my sister such a disappointment I, I was really hoping that it was me that the madam was looking for, but uh, if you just hold one moment, I can go and get her. In the meantime, 
He kind of claps his hands as he's he makes his way up uh, a staircase that leads to the second floor. But as he does that, um, there, there's kind of like a second room off of this like living area that you're si- situated in, a place where there's like a hearth and like kind of a kitchen area. And there's these three little sprites that are carrying. They're flying about and you know little fairies that are uh, flying about and they are pouring tea and bringing you some like refreshments and things um, as he moseys on upstairs. Good like nudge my brother and sort of whisper to him like there's some there's something off with him and sister i'm i'm almost feeling like they may be one in the same and some strange magical something i don't know getting vibes getting bad vibes he would he would kind of nod but as you say that he well he sees the fairies and he's trying to keep his distance away but he's really just looking up at all the different herbs and stuff. It's it is possible that uh, this is where Lady Shanty would procured the ostrich. Or, uh, it might be it might be wise to inquire if, yes. if he has some of that as well. It's just a moment later, and there is a woman that uh, makes her way down the stairs. She has eyes of chestnut. She's clad in robes of green velvet, sort of embroidered with kind of a rosy pattern, and she too has like a street of silver in her hair and she comes down and she says uh welcome my friends my brother told me all about you you come from madam shantywood and you, she has sent a missive please i would yes. like to read that i'll hand the letter over it says verdin right oh no i'm sorry mercian mercian you go, Pleasure. and she breaks the seal the wax seal on it and she unfolds the letter and she reads it she smiles and has sort of a flirtatious look on her face and she says it was me she chose me i see and so you all are her you're in under her employ is that what i am to understand from this we have an arrangement it's more of a partnership mm-hmm mm. Well, it says here that whatever it is that she has over you, she would like for you to assist my brother and I in our work. I believe my brother already uh, shared with you our need for more crystals to continue our studies here. Uh, speaking speaking of him, uh, I, I expected him to be part of the conversation. Where did he go? Oh, he's busy. Our work requires constant attention. Speaking of work, uh, did you, I noticed... All these interesting, interesting-looking herbs. Do you have notes of some somewhere where I might be able to look for that? I am a bit... Uh, I do... I have an interest in collecting these myself, uh, especially uh, if they have any benefit. She says if you're willing to stay the night, she'd be willing to, uh, in conversation, kind of share what she knows. I would say that if we, if we are going to be collecting crystals, uh, rocks for, for our friends, that um, perhaps that knowledge being passed to my brother may be useful. Uh, I know. What, what is... Why? What? What? Why those? And he's just going to be pointing <laughs> towards the little fairies. What do you mean, why? They are friends. They are uh, trusted servants. Hmm. Trusted? Yes. Um, and then she'll introduce them. There's one that is like each of them has a very distinct color palette. Like mm-hmm. not necessarily that they're yeah, I guess their skin would be this color and as well as their clothes. There's one that is pink and uh she says that one is Talawak, blue is Lily Lily Shill, and the red sprite Brigadoon. And they all are kind of like chittering and giggling, like as their names get called up, <laughs> they get all shy and like go and duck behind like the bookcase and kind of peek out. And oh, nice to meet you. He kind of is still a bit reserved. <laughs> They're waving at you and blowing kisses. 
If you don't mind my asking, how how did you, uh, one such as you, come to um, be, uh, to employ uh, fey creatures? Well, um, when you study the arcane arts, as I do, we've learned much about the Dolmen Wood and have encountered many creatures that both friendly and unfriendly. These are some of our guests. Sometimes we entertain for those who come far and wide to be here with us, and these three stayed. Fascinating. And the entire time, you know, just to kind of set the scene a little bit too, like the grinding of that that wheel is kind of Uh constantly kind of kind of loud and Uh shakes the structure of the building a bit. So they uh, she says, you know, you're you're more than willing to stay in, you know, if you want to share trade notes about uh, the many plants and such uh, willing to do that, but understands if you need to uh, get on on your way. She thanks you for delivering the missive. I would certainly really like to spend at least a little bit of time looking, you know, just looking at what I see and see if there are things that I don't recognize and maybe ask her about one or two as well, just so I might be able to be better able to find them. Sure, uh, you can. I'm not going to give any kind of mechanical benefit unless you right. spend mm-hmm. the night and actually engage in that, but su- superficially you get it some notes about the herbs and such friends um i know we have other business but i it might be it might be beneficial that we take a, at least one night here i feel like this information is going to go a long way in our travels i am as uncomfortable as my brother with spending the night with fake creatures but i tend to agree with him on this one so is the group's uh plan you'd like to stay the night well if they're up for it i'm fine with it same same here uh, one thing I would ask of Lady Mercy is, is she aware of any of these dolmen stones? So, have we talked about ley lines? So, she will tell you that the dolmen wood has long been a place that has attracted those that are interested in the arcane arts. And in fact, it was it is the, the properties of the dolmen wood that over a thousand years ago, the Druun this kind of quasi-mythical race of the Druun came to the Dolmenwood because of that extreme potency of magic in the region. And that um, the stones that you speak of, many of them are markers of ley lines, places, coordinates, basically, where the properties of magic may be enhanced or altered. Um, she doesn't have like extreme knowledge like of how the ley lines work, but she knows the presence of them. And she would tell you that somewhere to the... S- Somewhere to the west, there is a stone that she believes is a marker of a ley line. Somewhere to the west. Somewhere to the west. Yeah. Uh, uh, towards Langshorn, toward any sort of um, less vagary, or just that's all we got? She would say uh, towards Langshorn to the south of the road. You know, several days journey. So not not like immediately a day day's journey away or anything like that. But in her youth... We'll say in her youth, uh, she went out there and visited that site. We'll say this. She she would have liked to have studied it more, but there is a drone that watches over it, a very powerful drone, um, and she ran afoul of him and uh, decided not to return, basically. She was in a, like a wizard. She was younger, so she wasn't quite as impressive as a wizard as she is now. Just barely survived and decided not to test fate ever again and go back there. Uh, you bring up an interesting point. What age does her and her brother appear to be? Uh, rather youthful. So even in her youth, even though she appears youthful. Yeah, she, she talks like that. Like, yeah, she's much older than she appears. Speaking of near death, we've um, come 
in contact with many creatures as, uh, while we've, you know, adventured into this region. One, in fact, had a head of a unicorn that was in this old smoke house. Uh, you know, have you heard of any such creature? In some, she'll ask some like kind of follow-up questions mm. about it. She'll think about that as you're sipping cups of tea. Furrowed brow, she says, I have heard that the Nag Lord has procreated and created children, twisted, disturbing things like that you have just described to me. Creatures that have at times been called atacorns. Mm. You believe this Nag Lord is real? I do. Have you seen him? I have not. He is said to dwell very deep in the North Wood. Um, and do you know anyone who's seen him? Do you know anyone who knows anyone who has seen him? <laughs> she would tell you that knowledge of the Naglord is, of course, uh, not something that can be confirmed. His existence in the Dolman Wood is one of history. And so it's a historical kind of tale that people say, maybe dating back 400 years or so. Let's put it this way. The official position of the church and the Duke of Brackenwald is that the Naglord does not exist. Are you trying to force me to believe in the Naglord? <laughs> Um, <laughs> the church hates, doesn't think he's real. So now I had to think he's real by contrast. More so that, you know, th you're going to find people that, that strictly say, this is a, this is a children's, this is a tale that you tell mm -hmm. your children to spook them. But then anybody like her, that's sorceress that has delved into it a little bit or seen things out in the woods have seen phenomenon that seem to suggest that this is real. Mm. I mean, you, you've experienced something that suggests mm -hmm. at least something's weird and shadowy right. and, and, and whatever. So um, what the, the, the thing that she believes is that that creature that you fought is connected and not just connected, but actually like bred from whatever the Nag Lord is. And Certainly makes sense you, to me. I... If you delve deep enough in any corner of the Dolman Wood, she says he's there. People sometimes choose not to see him, but he exists. And I apologize if I offend. I just, in my experience, boogeymen tend out, turn out to usually just be men. And so when I see some sort of sinister act, be it sorceress or not, I just have to wonder, is it just a convenient evil lord or is it more someone pulling the strings for their more mundane political advantage or power? So that's all. Don't mean to offend you. Uh, we've all had the experience of fighting one of these creatures and it certainly didn't look very wholesome to me. Oh, trust me, I, I nearly died. I understand that there is something wicked, but I don't know. When you bring up politics, just strikes me. she'd probably say the belief in the Nag Lord is extremely inconvenient for the political powers to be. They could tell I mean, you one thing. They would have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. True. Uh, at some point, maybe she'll she'll you know even go further and be like the the belief in the Nag Lord maybe is what prevents the Duke of Brackenwald from expanding its borders. Like it's it's difficult to convince people to go out into the wood and explore further the the the, the region the borders of the duchy of, of brackenwald have not really expanded in many centuries i for one am really interested in learning what your task is for us lady yeah so she she would tell you if uh, you're interested in um, my my little task you'd be able to find such cavern she'd tell you there's like 
basically two ways to get there. You could either... The, the river Hammoth leads right into Fog Lake, so you could certainly access it that way. Otherwise, once you get to the Woodcutter's Encampment, if you were to take the road that you will find there that heads east, which if you follow it for a number of days would eventually take you to Brackenwold, there's a little trail off the road that leads north. Trail is one in which pilgrims will come from Brackenwold and Prigwart and such, People that want to go and take a peek into that cave because they like to... It's a, Apparently, it's a very beautiful, scenic uh, place with where all these kind of crystals can be seen. And that is the cave that is by uh, Fog Lake? Yeah. Are there specific crystals? Do, um... Not really. Uh, variety is what they're looking for. It's not so much like, yeah, uh, that they're looking for one particular thing, but they will assess what you bring back at that time uh, to give you a price on what it is. Well, this this creature, this Atticorn that we had uh, fought that had poisoned our uh, friend Waymond there, the Lady Shantywood had a uh, potion that seemed to cure him and I was curious if you were the one who had created that for her, and if so, apparently it's some potion made from the root of the young lantern plant. Yes, I. You're you're very um, wise. Your deduction is correct. Um, this is one of the many things that I've learned to uh, synthesize and make. If you are interested in it, I can certainly sell it to you. But it is costly. Huh. So is one of us dying. And she'll tell you that uh, should you want Ofterich, she will sell it to you for 60 gold pieces a dose. I think it would be worth having one. We did receive the money for expenses. That's right. 100 gold. How much is, what was the potion it's cost? 60. 60. 60. Okay. Still have 40. If we stay the night, can we learn how to make this potion? She'll certainly teach you how to do it. You need a setup to do it. Mm-hmm. And they've got all the supplies and everything. So, you know, right. she'll, she'll teach you, you would... how to synthesize it, but that probably on its own isn't helpful until you can have a home base where you've got a little <laughs> workshop and all the stuff. And yeah. But if you bring, yeah. if you ever come across the young uh the the root um she'll say if you bring it to her she'd be willing to synthesize it to you for half the cost we'll say that is fair well i think uh it'd be great that if we at least have one of those uh as i'm limited in the power that has been given to me as far as healing i'm going to remove 60 gold pieces from my bat loot bag and add a off uh, how do you spell that? O-F's? O- I'm just going to put ostrich. It's a O-F- <laughs> O-F-T-E-R-I-T-C-H. Um, other other questions or topics of conversation you want to have here yet today, other than the foraging ide- plant identification mm-hmm. conversation you're going to have, which we will say, if you're spending the night here and talking with them, we'll say anytime that you find an herb, mm-hmm. there's a two in six chance that it is something that you discussed here tonight. Great. That sounds pretty good. I, I yeah. And I think that's something that the friar actually would, actually would bring up. Um, you, you are, uh, it seems that you know this land well. Uh, we don't really have much of a filled-in map. Uh, do you think maybe we, we, Thomas, maybe sharing your map and maybe you could fill in a bit of uh, some things along the way? Um, yeah, uh, she kind of kind of generally in the 
vicinity you're in you know she she would probably draw in uh, kind of the river hammoth up to fog lake would probably you know she'll she'll fill in that the woodcutters encampment is along the river there and then sort of east to west generally you know she's not a cartographer so she she, mm-hmm. This is a very kind of rough kind of sketch, but I mean, yours probably is too. Um, she would yes. point out kind of the east to west road that would lead. The major landmarks would be to the east. How would she describe it? She'd probably describe it as two days journey from the woodcutter's encampment, Castle Brackenwold. And then um, from there, she oh. would draw in a road that would lead from Castle Brackenwold to the northwest, and then she'd pencil in Prigwort, and she'd say, that's two days' journey. Maybe halfway in between Castle Brackenwold and the Woodcutter's Encampment, she would create a little dotted line and write in Cave Path, and she'll say, this is, if you wanted to go by foot to the lake in the cave, you could take this path. And then from Dreg, road that leads west, uh, maybe she'll estimate two days' journey there, and then she'll fill in, like, Lankshorn. As far as things like deeper into the woods, not not so much. Mm-hmm. This will help us. If we are to get lost, at least we know hopefully what direction a road would be. We appreciate this. So, uh, other things you'd want to do here before heading heading out in the morning to uh, the woodcutter's encampment? Otherwise, we'll say yes, you have progressed now to the 29th day of Igwild. Continuing north along the river, it sounds like. And we'll say maybe at about noon or so, as you're you're making your way up, uh, you start to see evidence of maybe some clearing, tree stumps and such. Not necessarily active lumberjacks or whatever out here, but some evidence that some woodcutters have been through the area along the river and, and cleared some of it out. And up ahead, you hear a, a, a voice kind of calling out, Cluid! Cluid! Come here, boy! Come here! And as you move maybe a little bit further up, um, you see... A man kind of making his way through the woods, just calling out, whistling. A thin man, grayish, wispy white hair. He's wearing, I guess, kind of like traveler's clothes, but he he has a, a chain around his neck that carries with it the emblem of the oracularity, and he's just calling out. Cluid, where are you at, boy? And as he's calling um, out, you see a dog, old hound dog, starts kind of like coming out of the woods. It's carrying like a a bird in his jowls. And, oh, you brought me a present, did you, Cluid? Oh, you're such a good boy. Ah, hello, friend, I'd call out. Kind of squints his eyes. He's a probably older gentleman. He narrows his eyes, kind of trying to focus. And he says, ah, brother, welcome out for a stroll. On this fine day. Yes, yes, we are, me and my uh, friends, we are moving north to the wood, the woodcutter's camp. Oh, you're on the right path. St. Fogarty <laughs> has led you safely to to our home. Hmm. Uh, just oh. maybe 20 minutes north there and you'll you'll make it. Our home. You live there as well? Uh, yes, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Father Horsley. Oh, yes, I've heard of you. Very, very, very nice to meet you. I am uh, Friar Fitzpatrick. These are my friends, my brother, of course. Oh, pleasure to meet you, one and all. Um, if you like, I can walk with you. Make sure you to make it there safely. Need to be careful out here, of course. Yes. Don't go too far to the west. You may run afoul of the hag. The hag? <laughs> Gosh, here's something else. <laughs> he just says... Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it, don't worry about it. I I aim to map it out so that I can ensure that people take safe precautions when heading out into the woods, especially for our 
for our young men and women who head out into the wood to uh, source all of the, the lumber that uh, makes our livelihoods here. What, so, what of that? The hag. What is this hag? If you talk to any of the the woodcutters, they have all got their own story of some strange thing that she has done, something that has spooked them or caused them harm, but she's something of a mystery. And I assume you say hag, it's like an old lady and a witch. Oh, yes. Some once in a while we've got... You're not here to see her, I hope. Once in a while we get a wayward soul coming up here looking to make some request or some desperate plea with her. I would stay far, far away from here. Grant's wishes? Not that I want to ask for one. Oh, I'm sure. Just you know who probably sows those rumors out into the world once in a An while. Anybody that goes out looking for her intentionally, they're never seen again. Well, it sounds like a great way to draw people to you. Uh, indeed. So, uh, so you uh, continue to make your, your way through uh, uh, the forest and... Um, Joffrey will probably be you know, throwing a stick with the dog along the, the way. Yeah, yeah, he'll talk to you a bit about, you know, his... Uh, maybe this is a good time for him. He'll he'll ask you about, like, have you ever had a, a hound of your own? Yes, you know, growing up in a house, we had several hunting hounds. And I had my favorite hound, bird, dog, much like yours. Um, um... Much larger, a bit stronger, but he was my friend. He'll, uh, he'll, he'll say, you know, you, there's no, no more loyal companion than a, than a dog at your side. And Cluid here has been with me for many years. I, I highly recommend if you're going to stay in the Dolman Wood, you might, uh, get a hound of your own. Where would we be able to? Where did you find such a hound as this? Where, where would we be able to find a hound that that? That might bring some light into our lives oh, in this dark wood. Cluid was a, a gift uh, given to me by the bishop at uh, Castle Brackenwald, but I am I am sure that you know if you head to one of the the larger cities, you may be able to get a trained dog yourself. Brackenwald or Prigwart or Lankshorn. Good to know. Good to know. I'll use this as my yeah. opportunity to introduce the idea that yeah, you can buy. Dogs and uh, trained mm -hmm. dogs that might be able to help you with, like, um, well, de de depending on the breed of dog, they all kind of do like a different thing. It's like a video game tutorial, a new mechanic is introduced, yeah, mm -hmm. pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> you can buy a dog. There's actually, yeah, there's a whole mechanic for it, isn't there? Like a bunch of different breeds and like what they do and everything. Yep, I think there's like eight or so, uh, different ones, right? Yeah, I was really excited when I saw that. On the, the I player. will have to check the Dolman Wood. Players handbook. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, take a look. It's something to think about uh, for the future. If you go to one of the bigger cities, you might be able to purchase one. Well, I can tell you this, that, that Joffrey is keenly interested in going to Langshorn already. And this is probably piquing his interest a bit more, given his history with his own dog. So um, as you're walking with the good father here, you eventually you'll come to see this in you know they call it the woodcutter's encampment and that seems like it's maybe like its original name back who knows how long ago when it was truly a camp but it is a village it is a proper village as you're coming upon it you could see orderly streets where there are wood paneled uh, clay roofed buildings that sit right on the edge of this uh i guess grove of trees many of the the, the woods behind the village, as they're coming upon it, a lot of the trees or the, the clearing in the, the forest, there are coppiced trees where it looks like they've cut down, cut cut trees at kind of their, their 
the base of their trunk and have sort of maybe done some forestry techniques or whatnot to kind of let the roots or the limbs kind of regrow. And it seems like they kind of continually harvest from that same tree over and over again. You know, there's there's a small docks here. Church is uh, just to the north of the village, and that's where uh, the good father is going to return to as he brings you back into town. But he'll point out the inn. Uh, should you need accommodations for the night, which is the Merry Mendicant. Father, I, uh, I've i been to this. We've been here for a bit, and I've yet to come across a shrine to one of our beautiful saints. Do you know of any such shrines in the area? I do. Um, I maintain the shrine of uh, St. Fogarty myself. Oh, I'd love to see it. Come along. I'll, I'll take you to it. So he will take you um, kind of off to the side of the church. There is maybe a little side path where there is a statue that shows a man that kind of dressed sort of like the father here. Has a kind of a walking stick in his right hand and a lantern in his left, wearing an emblem of the oracularia around his neck. The, the father will invite you to come and pray at St. Fogarty of the Cups uh, Shrine, and this would give you the spell Light, one casting of light. Ooh. Mm. He would pray. He would pray for uh, just guidance uh, in dark times, and he'd pray for his comrades, for the continued safety as we go through out the forest. And give thanks always to the one true God. And he will say to you, um, you know, as you're praying, the prayer is one of safe passage and safe travels. That that is sort of the aspect of Saint Fogarty. He is said mm-hmm. to be kind of a, a shining light in the in the wilderness that guides lost travelers back to the the path of the light. The Father will. will talk a bit about how um, they are blessed. He's blessed to be uh, appointed as the caretaker of this shrine, but many, he says, many of the shrines have been lost and abandoned throughout the wood. The church is very eager to uh, restore these lost shrines. If you're going out, if you happen to be staying a bit, and it seems that you have uh, important business here in, in the Dolman Wood, should you find one, you may wish to bring knowledge of it back, or even seek to restore it yourself. Yes, I think that would be uh, lovely. I It would be an honor to do something like that. I am traveling anyway, right? But it is, uh, friends, uh, if we do... Uh, come upon one of these shrines. Uh, would you do me the favor and give me some time to restore it to its glory? Not as it may be just a prayer itself might uh, help out. You know, brother, I will always aid you in any quest you find worthy. And he'd come and just give you a good, like, side hug. Uh, thank you. You know, I spend an hour praying at the shrine. This is sort of a mechanical thing. Divine spellcasters of the one true God can spend an hour praying at a shrine and gain its blessing, which typically is a cat. You're able to gain a divine spell that you can cast at any point. It doesn't. It doesn't expire until you cast it or until you take another shrine's uh, blessing. Yeah, given the time, it is. Uh, we're kind of at the end of our time, I think, for today. Um, yeah, I uh, hope you guys had uh, fun. Absolutely. I guess at this point, we can uh, turn it over to, speaking of gratitude, things that were fun, uh, that somebody else kind of enhanced the fun of the session for you. I mean, I it was just fantastic with every, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I hate to do the, the thing with, you know, where you give, you give everybody a pat on the back, but it was, I think it was just, it was a really fun session for me. And I'd just like to thank everybody. I think that's fair. 
I, I feel like it was a good, we, we really meshed well the crew for sure. You know, I, I definitely, I guess I'll call out, uh, I thought Chris, you had a really cool interaction with the lady. I thought was a good, like, mm-hmm. it was like, I know it's like OSC doesn't have the face as strongly as like D and D five E or other systems, but I feel like you're kind of becoming somewhat the face and it's cool. Just seeing like the minstrel, who has all the personality being the face naturally as opposed to like, because you have the highest persuasion skill, you know? So it's kind of cool seeing that. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have like two faces. I feel like it's Joffrey and it's, and it's Thomas. And that's been interesting. Yeah. I think uh, there's maybe two moments that I thought were cool that happened. I really had no idea what was going to play out <laughs> with the, the Chateau. Like, will everyone get pissed at her and like try to make some kind of wild move? But <laughs> cause that doesn't happen. There, there, there's. I think uh, Waymond brought in like the different perspective of yeah, like what, what we're, we're so far away from the empire. Like, why not strike a deal with somebody? You know, like, like why not have a person like this in in our corner? Uh, she's making good points. Like, maybe we should listen. And then I think Joffrey had the moment where you said, "Well, since Sir Silas is gone." You know, I'm going to step up and I'm going to make a decision or I'm going to kind of kind of speak. You know, it was kind of a nice pivot, I think, from having Sir Silas was always kind of like, let's let's get his input or defer to maybe his opinion. And um, it just felt like, a, yeah, the torch had been kind of handed off for you to be in his spot um, kind of amongst the party now. Yes, I I uh, enjoyed. Yes, the. Same with uh, talking about Chris with your character. You know, just how you became the face. I really enjoyed that. I also really enjoyed uh, Wayman's struggle just through the process. It, it was very entertaining to see. I mean, your character w- could have died, right? But like, I re- the way you uh, handled it and the way you added the little touches about being sick and, you know, just it, it, it you know, felt a lot more believable. And it was like, you know, this could be it. Like, it, 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 you did a great job on that. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun watching that. Appreciate that. I had a backup character for real that I had built. <laughs> rolled stats and everything. Uh, I was just saying, I'm going to do the same as Chris and throw the gratitude to everybody, kind of, just because I feel like everybody's really kind of playing their characters in such a way that it's bringing everything into unexpected realms for everyone. Right. Waymond is now uh, open to accepting one true God. Joffrey is seeing the cracks, is starting to see the cracks in the the way that the, the his world is sort of set up. I, I, I think it's just really interesting how everybody's decisions and the way they're kind of playing their characters is kind of bringing out different aspects in each other's characters. And I'm really enjoying but I think we're we're moving into like kind of the next phase of the game, which might be more okay. The group has to decide what what are we doing today. Is it is it we're going to the caves? Is it we want to go foraging? Like you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be a linear like we're doing this plot story kind of thing. I, it's felt a little mm-hmm. bit just naturally kind of that way up to this point. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you never have to make I, a decision. I feel like I feel like it's actually naturally moving kind of in the direction that you're talking, even in just our characters, right, in there and the way that they interact with the world, right? Uh, 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 most of our characters are moving towards this very free, uh, uh, cho- you, know, you know, screw the Empire kind of, and everybody's almost been in that direction since the beginning, except for Joffrey and Silas that have been yeah. trying to hold this together, and, and it's cracking, yep. right? Now Silas is gone. Joffrey is trying to step up and hold it together. We all know he's not going to do a very good job at that. 
uh, it, it's it, you know it, it's really interesting. I, I'm loving the direction that it's going, quite frankly. And I think it's there's also not a time limit. Like you're not under a clock right now. So mm-hmm. like if you did want to mm-hmm. take a day, let's go foraging and find some stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. you're still at the mercy of dice in terms of what might you encounter if you do that. You know, how much gold do you have? Your resource depletion is eventually going to be a factor, but you know, you could do that. Like we don't have to play out every day as like we're gonna it's gonna be a whole session. It might be let's do the couple of dice rolls to do your activity you want to do and then get back to you know, mm-hmm. a, a plot thing. So just one of the beauties of this game system, you know, this mechanic is it, you're really playing those things out instead of waving them away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I like about uh, this is like the exploration has some weight to it versus, yeah, it, it, it matters. I'll get stabbed by unicorn again. Our next exploration. Yeah. It could be it's yeah. the same thing. <laughs> Hey, you've been poisoned. Super, I had a jail free card on that one. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually like, I'm really liking that. I got dropped to zero hit points and lived. And then I got poisoned with a D3 with three hit points and lived. Like, mm-hmm. my character's even becoming religious. I'm just being serious. <laughs> yeah. There's no other explanation. Yeah, he, well, he's, I love he's that sort about of joking you. ironically. It's like that he's in the ironic acceptance stage, and then it's just going to be acceptance. I was saying, I love in that just the interaction between you and and Friar Fitzpatrick, and how he's kind of like the anti-religion uh, uh, friar, and and uh-huh. it's kind of speaking <laughs> to Waymond. You know, it, <laughs> it's working. <laughs> yeah, it and and I don't think either one of you uh, expected that at, in mm-hmm. the first session. You know. Mm-hmm. So it 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 it's kind of getting back to my gratitude thing where this story is taking our we are doing exactly what you want to do in a D&D campaign. We are as a group creating this story that is not anything that we could create on our own. It is totally mm-hmm. owned by this group. It's it, it's really great. Yeah, I agree. And 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 Alex you know, is facilitated so it's it's the cliche to provide the gratitude to the DM, but you know, you're facilitating us Mm-hmm. playing our characters which is fun and it's good and everyone in the party you know it's it, it's it's great to be a, i mean we're blessed at 20 size there's so many good players in the channel on community games and all the other games so this is no way meant to be like in any way like exclusive but this is a great party that is willing to play together and just kind of see what happens you know it's great I'm i'm really i'm really having a lot of fun this is this is my style this is i, I realize this is my style like let's just Let's all have horrible stats and run around where like a goblin can kill you if it looks at you. <laughs> it feels real. It feels real. Is what it is. Life <laughs> right there. <laughs> stop, stop, party! There is a mosquito larva ahead of us. Like, Very dangerous. <laughs> if it bites us, we will die of poison. Yeah. There's no cure. There's one point of damage, and it poisons you. It's game over. <laughs> But yeah, no, but for real though, the, the, it's it's been cool. It's nice because it doesn't feel like we have to go combat to combat. That's fun too. I like action That's- games, and I, and I run some action games, and action games can be fun. But this is cool. I'm really, especially for Saturday morning, it's nice mm-hmm. to like get up and just kind of like just play, you know, just hang out and just be our characters and not have to worry about like, are we getting the goal of accomplishing the thing? You know. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, just yeah. So, so I guess general gratitude again. Yeah. Just kind of exploring. Through you know, as a as a player and as characters exploring this world that none of us know, mm-hmm. but Alex, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So I'm not sure Alex well, totally knows the world either. Yeah. 
I, I, that was going to be one of the things I was going to say is like, you know, appreciate the group realizing these books are huge. There's like a 400 <laughs> plus page, just the campaign book, plus the, you know, you throw all the other stuff in. So, um, appreciate you giving me the time when you ask a question let me reference that so i tell you something that isn't just me bullshitting you like this mm -hmm. i have to reference it because it might come up 10 sessions from now and i want to make sure i gave mm -hmm. you like something not i'm not saying accurate like sometimes i am trying to give you something that is going to have this is sort of true but i'm coding it in a rumor or something and so that might be partially true you know what i mean but mm -hmm. Um, well, and we've seen that happen where stuff that you bring up just in passing is in the game in three sessions, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, I, I think uh, that's where we'll probably wrap it up here. Thanks, everybody who's still hanging out with us and still enjoying uh, listening to these. Be a little bit of a break here, but uh, about a month from now, on the, what do we say, the 31st, we'll have our next, uh, next live session. So, um, in the meantime, last session of 2022. Yeah, that's right. And I guess the exciting thing here is, uh, I think I posted it in the Discord, they're, they've got some more Dolmenwood modules, like adventure modules that they're going to be putting out. And so like you asked about House Mulbrick, that's one of the sessions, or one of the adventures that they're going to put out. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, maybe we put a pin in that until that module comes out, we can see what... Because one of my thoughts was to like, okay, maybe I like mod in like Castle Amber or some other module and like give it give it the fungus kind of flavor or something. But then when I saw that they were coming out with an adventure module for, I'm like, okay, let's just wait. Let's wait. That'd be kind of fun to play through. Maybe anyways, thanks everybody. You are listening to 20 sides to every story. 